Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Aren't you thankful we can touch Him? You can touch Him. We can touch Him. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read a portion of Scripture here. And then I'm just going to maybe briefly come back to it and just highlight on it. But I want to preach something to you today in Matthew 26, starting with the first verse. And we're going to pray over the Word of God and then we're going to read it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to come. Lord, to break open the bread of life. And Lord, I love you with all of my heart and I'm not ashamed or afraid to say that, Lord. I'm not afraid that down deep in my heart, Lord, that I really don't mean it because I do mean it today. I thank you today, Lord. I'm not afraid to say I love you with all my heart, Lord, because I'm afraid, Lord, that perhaps, Lord, that I might fail you one day. Lord, I love you today and I'm so thankful, Lord, that you love me, not because of what I've done, but God, because of what you've done. Lord, I thank you that I am who I am because of your grace this morning. And I pray, Lord, that as we break open the bread of life, that you will touch every heart and every life, Lord, and bring us to a deeper place in you. God, I've not come to perform today. I've not come to put on a show today. I've not come to do anything but preach your uncompromised, unadulterated word of God today. And I pray that you'll arrest the heart of each and every person in here, Lord. And we'll leave here as we partake of the communion, Lord, and be satisfied and fulfilled and blessed in Christ Jesus. We thank you today. Bless this congregation. Bless the time and the word. And Lord, we bless your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful today? <clears throat> Matthew 26, verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and scribes and elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus but subtly and kill him. And they said not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. In the book of John, it says that she poured it on his feet and she uh, wiped uh, his feet with the fragrance or with the spicknard with her hair. You'll know, and I'll finish the scripture here in just a moment, but in Mark 14 and in John 12, there is a repeat of this with actually a little more detail in some things. But the Bible says, There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. 
And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Amen. That is a powerful scripture. We're reading it today almost 2,000 years later. Are you hearing me? About this woman. So God's word is true because he's fulfilled that prophetically to the letter. I'm preaching a message entitled, Wasted. Wasted. You know, we're going to take communion at the end of the service, but I hope at the end we will have a renewed understanding and value, even the power of the body of Christ and what He did for us. We'll have a renewed understanding and a, a, a passion for that and a heart for that. Because this is not always grasp uh, what took place. It's not always understood. It's not every, uh, everybody that has a burning passion for Jesus Christ. And so it's very important that that is what is taking place in our heart and in our life. I'd rather be on fire than anything else for Jesus. I'd rather be on fire for the Lord Jesus than anything else. In fact, Christ Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'll respect the fact that you don't have nothing rather than you be mixed in the middle there. I'll spew you out of my mouth, but I'd rather you be hot. I want you to be on fire for me. That's the only way to be a passionate fire for the Lord Jesus. So that's not always grasp the power and the, the, the glory and the, 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 the value of what Jesus did by dying on the cross and shedding his blood. That's not everybody's burning passion. The thief on the cross said, if you're the Christ, save yourself and save us. Others said he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Yet he could have called 10,000 of angels to come and take him down off of the cross. But that is why he came. So that he could die for the sin of humanity and the soul of humanity and be the Savior for you and I today. That's why he couldn't come down off of the cross. But you know, a lot of people in the world and historically thought that Jesus' death was nothing but a big waste. People that don't know anything about Bible prophecy or anything about you know faith in God from this Bible, consider that a waste. But I can tell you, Jesus did not. He could not waste his mandate, his call, his purpose to prove a point to someone who did not recognize his value. Amen? He could not come down from the cross to try to prove to somebody that wasn't interested in having a relationship with the one true God. He couldn't abandon the call of God in the wilderness and turn that stone to bread because he had to seize the moment, amen, 
and make sure he fulfilled the will of his father all the way to the cross. It wasn't a waste to him. He wasn't going to waste the opportunity that he had and the call that he had. He wasn't going to do that. To those that perish, the cross is foolishness. But to us, it's a waste. To those that perish, it's foolishness. It's a waste. It means nothing. But to us who are, are saved, to us that are born again, the cross is the power of God unto salvation. It seemed a waste of a life, yet it was everything but a waste to purchase the soul of man. Thank God. Now let's see what's valuable from God's perspective this morning. Here in chapter 26, Mary does something that's unprecedented. And I want you to hear me and write this down today and get it in your spirit. Amen. Write it down. Here in chapter 26, Mary does something that's unprecedented that we don't read of in the scripture until this point. It was something eternally noble. It was something eternal, eternally honorable. It was something that put her in the three gospels and gave her a tribute in memory of the just in the Bible. This is why eternal rewards need to be preached again to produce a passionate worshiper. Amen. Are you hearing me today? She did something that wrote her in the chronicles of the redeemed that were esteemed because they did something noble and eternally noble and that's exactly what she did. She gave everything and I'm going to get into this. I don't want to get ahead of myself but I thought about it this morning. I said we need to preach on the eternal rewards that come to those that do things unto the Lord that are noble, that are honorable, amen. That's the reason we've got a church generation that only takes and receives and never gives anything to God. If you preach that there is a soul winner's crown, you'd be winning souls. If you, if, you, if you read in the word of God that there is a crown for those that overcome temptation, you'd fight more on your face to live holy and righteous before God. Oh, you can't do that, Pastor. Yes, you can. The Spirit of God sanctifies you and I, and we make decisions that sanctify ourselves. <laughs> you don't hear that preached because they try to make it works. It's not works. Faith without works is dead. There's got to be something that comes from our faith. And so I'm tired of all of these people preaching things that nothing's supposed to come from you. You're not responsible for nothing. You don't have to do anything. Yes, you do. We have a responsibility. And the reason that we need to have preached more and more and more about heaven and the eternal rewards. It must be preached again so it will produce passionate worshipers that are looking for something, not just going through a life of existence just to make it. I don't want to make it. I want to make heaven my home. I don't want to just get by down here is what I'm saying. I want to make heaven my home. I want a soul winner's crown. I want an overcomer of temptation's crown. I want the crown of righteousness that's promised to me and all who love is appearing. 
That's what I want. That's why it's got to be preached. And, and, and as Becky said this morning, I thought she's all over my message. Amen. But if we preach that, there would be more, there would be more produced, there would be produced more passionate worshipers and less entitled receivers. Because we live in a generation and it's crept into the church of entitlement. Amen. I'm going to say it again. I said it last week and I hope we all get it. It's not about us. It's about Him. <laughs> so Mary was a passionate worshiper. She was Martha's sister, mentioned three times in Scripture, and every time she's mentioned, she's always at Jesus' feet. <laughs> yeah, you've got a pastor that reads his Bible. Amen. Three times. She's found written in the scripture three times, always at Jesus' feet. In Luke 10, 42, she found blessing at his feet, choosing the better part. Remember when Martha was like, why don't you please ask her to help me? I'm, in, I'm over here clanking these dishes around. You can always tell when a lady's upset and she's in the kitchen when she wants help. Pots and pans are clanking and clinging and all that stuff. Would somebody come in here and help me? Amen. Ladies, just let me tell you this. A lot of times you, you say you want help, but you really don't want help. So I want you to have help this morning, but I also want you to recognize that if you want help, you got to let people help. All you ladies know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. I'm not here to beat up on you today. I'm just here to tell you Mary pulled up to Jesus' feet and she sat there. And she's just sitting there listening at his feet. Oh my goodness, it's beautiful to hear the gospel preached to me and how precious and how beautiful are these feet that I'm sitting. Amen. They've been a lot of places. They've experienced a lot of things. They've seen a lot of things. There's a great testimonial all over those feet. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a testimony there. There's a testimony at those feet. And here she is down there here in the good part. Amen. Doesn't matter that we got a great dinner. What matters is that we're filled up inside, that we have meat that you know not of. Hallelujah. 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 So she chose the good part and she sat at the feet of Jesus. She found blessing at his feet. It's not a waste to spend time at the feet of Jesus. That was in Luke 10.42. In John 11.32, Mary brought her burden to Jesus' feet. Think about it. He came on the scene. And Martha said, if you'd have been here, he hadn't died. Well, Mary felt the same way. She said, you know, Lord, if you'd have been here, you could have healed him. Oh, I'm getting ready to. Amen. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. Just because you've got a situation before you that looks hopeless doesn't mean God can't speak life to that. I am the resurrection and the life. 
When you feel like you can't get out of bed in the morning, you serve the one that will raise you up out of that bed of depression. When you feel like you're so under a cloud of mourning and grief, I can't get out from underneath it. Jerry, God proved to you that he can raise you up out of a place of mourning and give you life. Hallelujah. So she ran to his feet. She ran to his feet. Lord, whatever you do, it'll be. I am the resurrection and the life. We have to say, you know what? It's not a waste to spend time at his feet to receive the greatest blessing of life. It's not a waste to go to the Lord when we don't have any answer, but go to him. The devil wants to lead you to believe there's no hope, but there is hope. He's the resurrection and the life. Oh, I know he'll raise on the day. The end of all things. He said, no, he's going to live. Today. Not tomorrow, today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you stop wasting your life. Today is the day that you quit throwing away the, the destiny that God has purposed for you. Today is the day that you stop Today is a day that addiction is broken. Today is a day that alcoholism is broken. Today is a day that depression is broken. Today is a day. Today is a day. Today is a day. I'm going to tell you something that I've learned about homeless people. And don't get mad when I say this, but a lot of times, more often than not, they're there because they've given up. They don't have anything else to live for. Everything is gone. But you have to come to the reality. My life is not a waste, and I'm not going to live here and let it be defined by the devil as a waste, but I'm going to get up, and I'm going to live, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to thrive. And I'm going to get out of this death situation. I'm not going to choose to be here anymore. My life's not going to be a waste. I'm not going to let the devil make a fool out of me one more time. I'm not going to live beneath what God purposed for me. And the life he chose to give me and purchase for me. I'm not wasted anymore. In John 12, 3. Mary lavished her best at Jesus' feet. Third time. It's also in Matthew what we read. But it says that she broke that spicknard box. What it was was a box of highly, highly expensive oil and perfume together. And that's what they poured on people when they embalmed them. Whenever they were burying them or they died after they buried them. And it was very costly. It was very expensive. And in John chapter 12, verse 3, Mary lavished her best at the feet of Jesus. I love that. I want to read it this morning because I don't want to take away from it this morning. We got plenty of time, so stay here with me. Isn't God so good? The Bible says... Uh, it says, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead 
whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. I believe it's in Mark where it says that she broke it. Amen. She broke it. and uh, But it's there. I read it. Amen. I'm not going to belabor that. But just say that it had to be broken. I want you to know she never considered any of that a waste. Judas saw it as a waste. There could have been a more practical use of this ointment, Jesus. But it was worship from Mary. People who don't love God always see worship as a waste. There is something about the cost of sacrifice. I was thinking about it this morning as I did a little study. And David, whenever he brought the ark back, he wanted it so bad back. And he got in a hurry and he got ahead of himself and put it on a new cart. And we know what happened. Uzzah touched it to try to steady it when it went across the threshing floor. And he was smote dead. So they took it down to Obed-Edom's house and God was blessing Obed-Edom's house. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the blessing of God? You say, well, I see some family or some, you know, couple or somebody that's really seeming to be blessed. It seems like their life is blessed because the Ark of the Covenant lives there. The Ark of God is there. The Spirit of God is there. It's the Holy of Holies living within them. Amen. That's why there's a blessing. Don't wonder anymore. Let me tell you, where Jesus is, there's a blessing. Where Jesus is, there is peace. Where Jesus is, every need is met. Where Jesus is, there's a miracle of healing. But David saw that that happened. And he said, I don't care. I'm still going to get that ark up here where it belongs. In the tabernacle. So he said, I'm going to do it the right way. He did a little historical search, research, and found out there's got to be great sacrifice. And I studied it this morning. And from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem was 12.5 kilometers. And it was 30,000 steps. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, every, every six steps that they took, they sacrificed an oxen and a fatling. So I just did the math. 30,000 steps divided by six steps is 5,000 oxen and fatlings. In other words, David said, there is not a cost to costly for me not to have the presence of God. I don't care if it costs 10,000 oxen or 100,000 oxen. In fact, what you probably don't realize is that as Jesus came down from out of that place of the, the, of the Last Supper and the last meal where he was sitting there on his way to go to the Garden of Gethsemane before the, he was taken shortly after that. But as he came down, that blood 
blood that ran from the tabernacle of every lamb's blood that was shed on the day and the time of Passover drained down and it flowed down into that Kedron Valley and they had he had to walk over probably a bridge across that Kedron Valley and he saw that river of blood that was flowing down through there because it was said there was probably approximately if not more 250,000 lambs that were slain that day that time their blood was shed and the blood ran down I can tell you the blood of Jesus is far more costly than 250,000 lambs or 5,000 oxen and fatlings we serve a God who did not spare a cost for you and I but he shed the blood of his only begotten of the Father. John 12, 3 tells us the spikenard was costly ointment poured on his feet and his head. Mark 14, 3 states she broke it. True worship comes from breaking. I found my greatest friend to get through to the throne of God is my earplugs. Because it takes me into a place where it's just me and him. I hear everything going on outside. But I put them earplugs in. And I bury my face in that chair. And I don't hear anything but me and God. Don't hear the drilling across the street. Don't hear pans clanking in the kitchen. Don't hear the TV. Don't hear the neighbor's motorcycle. I don't hear anything but just me and Jesus. Now, there comes a breaking. And true worship comes through breaking. That's when you really become a worshiper. And I've had some wonderful times the past few days. Just me and the Lord in prayer. Just, just sitting at his feet. Just basking in his presence. You know, but I can tell you, real worship. And that's what Mary did. She was really worshiping the Lord with everything she had. That's when you really become a worshiper, when you're broken. If there needs to be something that has to happen in the church for people to change, they must be broken. Tearless Christians trouble me. They make me very nervous. But broken Christians, I know God can do something with them. I see people come down, they never shed a tear. They, never, they don't let themselves open themselves up to God for God to touch them. I said, you need to let yourself be broken, sister or brother. You need to let God begin to touch you and break you. He broke me and that's how he got to the internal of my life. Are you hearing me? But worship comes through breaking. And that's when you become a real worshiper. When you're at your lowest broken end. And true worship is costly. It's never a waste from what you have to give. <laughs> never. It costs Mary her dowry. So you know what she basically was saying is, 
You're my husband, Jesus. You're my spiritual husband. Because what was going to afford me possibly one day a mate or a relationship, I give to you. You know, I want to say something to you. There are young adults in here, and let me tell you, there is nothing more that I want than for you to have a relationship. It's a beautiful thing. But, but, I can tell you that if that never happens and you give yourself wholeheartedly unto God, you've got to know this. There's no cost that God will not reward. There's no level of sacrifice. And I'm not, I'm not saying to you, oh, you've got to have Paul's anointing in this current distressing time. I'm telling you that if that's a desire of your heart, then as God wills, he'll bring that person across your path. Because I promise you, you don't want an Ishmael. But if you'll wait upon the Lord, God will bring you that person. But if it never happens, you've got to purpose in your heart. I'm going to serve God and I'm not going to sit over in a corner and sulk over what I do not have. And let me tell you something else. Just whenever you think, you know what? I've I, I got the victory over it and I don't. You know, it's not even my passion or desire anymore. I've given it to God and I'm happy just being single like I am. You just never know that person that's perfect for you might just walk right through the door. Amen. They could come right through the When you give it to God, amen, are you hearing me? When you give him everything, he will begin to give back to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. He'll give it to you. He'll bless you. I'm telling you what I know today. I'm telling you what I know today. My God, listen, what does your worship cost you? What do you mean, pastor? Are you talking money? No, I'm talking your image. I'm talking your pride. I'm talking your ambitions. You know, some people come in and they say, you know, I'll come to church, but I'm not raising my hands. I don't want to feel weird or people look at me. Trust me, nobody's looking at you. You're not in a church where you're the only one with their antennas up in the air. You are not going to be looked at as weird in here. In fact, it's the opposite. You're going to be looked at as possibly maybe you're not where you need to be because you don't worship God that way. You be who God has made you to be. And if you stand there with tears streaming down your face and you worship God, or you just stand there with your hands like this, or you got them up in the air, or you're out there and you're shouting and you're praising God, you worship God as he's begun to come upon you. We're not trying to label you or, or put our badge on you. I've just come to tell you, you can't let anything stand between you and your broken worship before God. When I first got saved, I went in there and I'm, I was so thankful. I'd given my heart and life to Jesus and I went in there the first time like everybody else and I'm standing there, you know, and in my heart I was like, oh, I want to lift my hands so bad. I want to raise my hands and so, you know, I just kind of went like this, you know. Got them real close here so it looks like, you know, I just kind of got them like this and I was just kind of looking around. Everybody's got their hands 
hands in the air. And God said, you might as well just go all the way. Lift up holy hands without fear or wrath or doubting. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord. I'm surrendered unto you, Lord. I got both hands in the air. But people say, my pride will not let me. My pride will not let me. Some say, I'm not raising my hands. I'm not dancing. I'm not singing those ridiculous songs. I'm not looking weird. Like Judas, I'm practical. I'm dignified. Let me tell you something. Passion is never practical. If you, it, it, passion is never practical. Amen. In fact, I'm going to say this. I know that we need practical things, but a lot of times practical is very boring. Well, thank you for the three amens, but passion is never practical. Passionate people do crazy things. Come on. Passion always thinks outside of the orthodox box and norms. What? You go to the front and worship God? They don't do that over there at the first church of the frigid air. I know. But over here at New Life, we've got a new life. We got so many people in here that have been delivered from meth, out of prison, of alcohol, out of gangs, out of perversion, out of lesbianism, out of homosexuality, out of adultery. We got all of those things going on. So we're going to praise the Lord. Free. Free. With passion. I got passion. Passion always thinks outside of the orthodox box. Passion always acts reckless. Passion never seeks or sees the cost as a waste, but will risk it all to wow the recipient with the passionate act. I'm telling you, the world is more passionate than the church is. The world is more passionate than the church. You know I'm telling you the truth. The world will get out there and they'll go to their ball game and they act like a crazy nut. They do. They do crazy things. They paint themselves. They paint their face. They get out there and they do all kinds of things. Come on. People get saved. They come to church and they sit there like a you know, like a ward on a pickle. They sit there like their graveyard quiet, you know, can't move. But when you were in the club, uh-huh, uh-huh, amen, you were the head of it all. Come on now. The world has more passion. Amen. Even some of their songs, they have more passion. Come on now. Come on. I was thinking about it this morning, and I don't listen to this all the time, but I'm just going to tell you right now. As I was sitting here and I thought, Lord, I said, Lord, passion risks everything. Passion gives everything. It does. Amen. You know, we come to church and we have these, these songs, and you're just like, my goodness, 
They don't have enough power or passion to blow your nose. <laughs> Amen. The world, and I'm not here to highlight the world. I'm here to tell you that often, even Jesus said, the world, I can tell you they've got more wisdom in the way that they do things. And I'm not quoting it exactly, but I'm paraphrasing here. But he said, you ought to take some, some notes from people that don't care. They just risk it all. Come on now. My God. I was thinking about that song from the 80s. And that lady sang, through the fire to the limit, through it all. Just to be with you, I'd gladly risk it all. Amen. Come on. Some of you are going, you know, I don't know what you're singing. Yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. Don't even act like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. Through the fire, to the limit, to the wall, for a chance to be with you, I'd gladly risk it all. Through the fire, for whatever come what may. Just a chance to be with you. Do you say that to God? Lord, I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. I remember going to a college graduation one time. Here come out this 67 or 68-year-old lady. She come out. Is it a big Azusa Pacific? She might have been in her 70s. She was an older lady, you know, and she come out. And she's getting her graduation. They stated her name, you know. They said, keep the applaud to a minimum, you know, and here she comes. Here she comes. And all these, you know, 25-year-olds and 24-year-olds and all these kids that went through a four-year university, and here they are. And they come walking across the stage, and here's this 70-some-odd-year-old lady, and she comes across the stage, and they said her name. And, you know, most of the people in the, in the, in the crowd, you know, they're looking at her, and they're going, okay, you know, where's my child at? And this kid in the outside, the kid in the, in the I'm going to say congregation, but it wasn't, it was in the audience. He screamed out at the top of his lungs, that's my mom! That's my mom! And I thought, man, he didn't care. I told him, don't tell me what I can't do at some place. I'm going to take one of them air horns. They told me, dad, you can't do that at the graduation. You'll be going out like this, you know. I said, well, I'm going to get one of them baby ones in. Everybody stand, and I'll pull on that hammer. Because let me tell you something. I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of my boys. And, I, and when they walked across that stage, I was like, look at them. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. One time years ago, I've shared this, but I'm going to share it again. The Lord told me to. Passion. We're talking about passion. When you're passionate about something, you don't care what it costs, what it takes, what price you got to pay to show that person how much you love them and to make a wow factor. 1998, I'll never forget it, Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's etched on my memory. I walked into my office. 
And I was in an office that was about as big as this, and there were desks all the way around. There was about seven of us in there. All had our little, weren't cubicles, they were desks. Everything was open. We had our computers and we were working. It was just a big workstation in there. And I walked in, and there at my desk, it looked like Valentine's threw up. I stood there, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, there's confetti, there's balloons, and more balloons, and more balloons. There's notes and cards and ribbons and everything. I mean, and, and they, even, they even let it encroach on the other people's desk. And Angela didn't care. She just... And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I had to be here at 6.30. And so there's my Valentine showing me how much she loved me. And I thought, wait a minute, I was up at 5.30. Where was she at? How did she... And so I went into my boss and I said, how did that happen? She said, oh, it's been planned for weeks. Yeah. That's my wife. <laughs> 29 years she's been my valentine. She said she got here about quarter to five. She called me, made arrangements. I got her in here, unlocked the door, and she did all that. And all my coworkers are standing there looking at my desk. Like, wow, this is really extreme. I mean, this is excessive. But you know what? I didn't care. I said, she went to all that work, went and got the stuff, got the balloons, got this, got that, did all this stuff, took it to my work, got in early, got back, and I didn't even know she had did it because she was home when I left. I called her up and I said, what did you do? She said, do you like it? <laughs> I said, my face is as red as the hearts that are on there. See, when you, when you love somebody, when you love God, let's go back to that. When you love God, you will do anything for him. And you'll break your most costly possession. And some of you, it's your bottle of pride. Some of it's your, your hatred, your unforgiveness. Some of you, your addictions have a greater allegiance from you than God. Mary wiped his feet with her hair. And you know what happened? The whole house smelled of the aroma because she broke that. But when you worship in brokenness with costly, passionate worship, you take on his fragrance. 
And that's what she did. Her hair smelled like that aroma. And I like to believe that it lingered for a long time. Amen. And it was a fragrance not of a dead Savior, but a live one. Psalms 49.4 says that he should still live forever and not see corruption. Mary anointed before his death because she knew he will never see corruption Never see putrefaction. He will rise again. Adoration and revelation are linked together. As you worship God and you are adoring Him, adoration and revelation are linked together. As you worship God, God's going to reveal things to you. He's going to deal with you about things in your heart. He's going to put His finger on something. He's going to tell you, you know what, that jealousy's got to go. That which you're not letting go, you got to let it go. The unforgiveness, the hurt, the thing that you keep talking about that happened 30 years ago. The person that hurt you. The person that offended you. The person that betrayed you. you got to let it go. Amen. And you know, it's clear that it bothers you because you keep talking about it. When you bring it up, it still bothers you. I'm telling you today. God will give you, uh, will give you revelation as you begin to adore Him and sit at His feet. And only Mary knew and believed that Christ would live. He died, but he would rise again. There ain't going to be any need for us to purify him or to, to uh, anoint him after he's dead. We need to do it before because he will ever live. He'll never see corruption. It was never a waste to Mary. But Judas, what a wasted life. Judas' name means praise. Think about the praise that God doesn't get because we don't love him and give everything to him. Surrender everything to him. She didn't just surrender her spicknard. She surrendered her hair. That was her glory. The Bible calls it your glory, ladies. Amen. But it was wasted and ruined. Judas, the praise that his name meant, his name denotes character, but it was wasted and it was ruined. He was called the son of perdition, which means loss and ruin and destruction and perishing and eternal ruin. Why was this the case with Judas? Because he saw deep, intrinsically spiritual things a waste. There are people that see the deep things of God or you say, no, they don't see them. Though I believe God brings us all to a place and then we choose. We don't value that to go further and deeper. The indignation was because his idea of what Jesus was to do in, in his mind and all of their minds set up a kingdom and take over Rome was totally different to the will of God and God's uh, eternal will. I've had people, let me just say this to you. There, there, when he saw Jesus and he saw that he didn't care about the money part, he said, you know what, this guy, he's just a waste. Come on now. Don't even, don't even look at me like I'm being real with you. We're talking deep spiritual here. He said, you know what, he's not the king that we all thought he was going to be. He's not got the vision that we thought he was going to have. He, he, he doesn't even recognize that there's value in here that's been wasted. And at that point in time, he made up his mind, I'm going to go conspire with the leaders, the religious, and I'm going to give Jesus 
to because he saw 30 pieces of silver of value to him and not Christ and who he was and is. I've had people leave the church because I didn't preach enough prosperity or have a bigger vision or buy a building. Some feel I'm too strict. Some feel I'm too liberal or progressive. I'm come to tell you today, I have one person to please. But you're our preacher. No, I'm not. I'm his. I'm his preacher. Because if I become your preacher, I know I'm the pastor of the church and you sit under this ministry. And if God brought you here and planted you here, you're supposed to be here. You don't choose what church you go to. God does. Did you hear me? You don't choose what church you go to. God does. And he plants you in the house of the Lord. Those people say, I'm going to go shop churches. No, you're not. You're going to go where you want to go, but if you will seek the face of God, he'll put you where you're supposed to be and ground you there. But I'm not your preacher because if I'm yours, then i got to preach what you want me to preach, and I can't do that and preach what he wants me to preach at the same time. (laughs) I want to please my Lord. Paying rent may seem to some people a waste, but not to God because buildings are not the church. Do you know when we come into this building and we got that building up there, I say when we renewed our lease last year, I told Angela, I go, this is a lot of money. Do you understand? It's a lot of money. We got the school, we got missions, we got the church, we got this, we got that. I've got more paid employees now than I've ever had, and we're getting ready to take on not quite double, but almost double what we're paying in rent to get those buildings in the front. But I said, Lord, I trust you. You've opened the door. If it's your will, it's your bill. I got to a point where I was just, I was satisfied. I'm like, look, yes, the finance is coming in. We can make the bills. And God said, for you to take those buildings means you got to trust me. I said, Lord, I thought I was past this. Amen. Not trusting you, but I thought I had come to a place where, you know, we're all good. You know, the finances are coming in. You know, the bills are paid. And I don't have to, you know, but he said, if you're going to move up to a higher place, it's going to mean a higher sacrifice. And I've given you a vision. I've opened the door. Now you can walk through it or you can sit here and twiddle your thumbs about how you're going to pay it and all this other stuff. Do you know there were two families in this church and if I told you who they were, you would be like, wow, they don't have that kind of money. But two different families in here in the last year, they wrote a check for over $6,000. The month we needed the finance to pay the bills, they wrote the check and, and, and Angela showed me and I was like, oh my God goodness and then a month or two later another young couple in the church or a family in the church wrote that I was like my goodness and God said I have things and I have money that you don't even know about and there was somebody that I've been praying for and I said God you know that entity that money doesn't belong to them and I'm asking you right now, I remember where I was when I was praying it. I said, God, I said, I'm asking you to call somebody to go in there and say, we need to fix this. And it wasn't a few months later, it's fixed. They said, here's the money. We're sending it to you. God said, I heard you when you prayed. See, when you need it, I'll make sure you get it. I'm not going to send it if you don't need it. 
You don't need more manna than you need. It'll turn to worms. <laughs> oh, y'all with me today. I only want to please my Lord. Judas was disappointed, indignant to Jesus because he wasn't what Jesus wanted. He wasn't what Judas wanted or he envisioned or he expected. So he walked away. A wasted life, a son of perdition. Mark 8, 34 through 38 says, What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Who loses soul? The whole world. Some people, the whole world is just another meth hit. It's just another sexual encounter. I can tell you, Heaven's worth more than that. My question to us all, saved or unsaved, is what about your life? Is it a waste? Is it a waste? So we say, I want to live a good, old, vibrant life. For what? Why? So you can get to the end of your life and say, I lived a long, vibrant life. What was vibrant about it? Because I can tell you the only thing that matters is what you carry over into eternity. And the only thing you carry over into eternity is your faith in Christ Jesus, the salvation. You came into this world naked, you're leaving naked. And when you stand before him, he's either going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me. I never knew you. What matters is what we've done for God in this life that carries over into eternity. Not that you worked your whole life and saved for retirement and retired well and you exercise and you're in shape and you have good health at 96 years of age. Big woo. If you don't have Jesus and you haven't done anything and stored up treasures in heaven, what do you have? Nothing. Nothing. I had somebody one time, they told me, you know, they said, I've never really worked and, and well, they, they kept saying to me, you know, I, I, you know, I haven't really worked throughout my life. I've been a drug dealer, drug addict, whatever. And they said, I've not really worked. They, they got saved, you know. And, and they said, I just can't wait till I retire. And then I'll at least have Social Security coming in. I said, hold on here just a second. I said, do you realize that you have to pay in credits to gain Social Security at 62? You don't just come into this life. And do nothing the rest of your life and think that you're going to get some kind of retirement reward. The same thing applies in the spiritual. You, we, 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 we go to heaven because we are born again, okay? We're saved by the blood of the Lamb, the grace of God. I'm not discounting that. But there are rewards in heaven. And just as this woman had a memorial written about her, it's because of the honorable noble thing that she did and her broken worship before the Lord. Judas lived a wasted life. So much potential, yet so much lost. My question to us, saved or unsaved, is what about your life? Is it a waste? Or has it been fruitful? Is it fruitful now? Do you have a desire for it to be that way until you take your last breath? 
Is your idea or concept of the spiritual that it's all a waste? Sacrifice and surrender, I can tell you, is never in vain when it comes to the economy of God. It's never wasted in Christ. Yet without Christ, it's a wasted life. It's a wasted life. But pastor, I'm too old now. What do I do? There's always time to redeem. Redeem the time. There's time to redeem. You can turn it around today and not let the rest of your life be wasted. There's so much you can make up for in the time that you have left. But I can tell you without Christ, it's wasted. Sin, your own way, your will, your pursuit without God is a waste. I encourage us all today, follow the example of a worshiper that it is to the degree that it's memorialized. Pour out yourself, all you have to him, everything today. Not a, 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 not a constant memory of your past or your pain or your understanding, but worship. Worship. Worship him. Have you ever said, Lord, I'm not here to come and talk about my pain. I'm not here to bring to you all of my problems. I've come to worship you. There is a time of petition when you can offer up God your needs and petitions. But if you, for the most part, we want to come and say, Lord, you've done this in my life. I want to worship you. I want to praise you. I want to honor you, not just come and bring my list. But worship. Because even the communion is not so much we remember his pain but our gain and that we are amazed by our gain that we receive from Christ. I know we recognize his death. I'm not discounting that or the blood. What I'm saying to you is that, that the gain that we have received from what Christ did is what he's all about. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. Don't let the devil waste your life. But serve Christ, worship him in the beauty of holiness. And hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. This morning, we're going to take communion. But before we do, I want you to take some time and renew and rededicate your relationship with the Lord. And if you're here today and you are not a Christian, all I'm going to ask you to do is when we start the music, step out of your seat and come up here and stand in the front. And prayer warriors, altar workers, and Delian Santo especially, because they're over our altar workers now. We want to pray with people. In fact, I want you two to come up here and stand here in the front. Amen. The Lord's really prompted me this morning. Praise the name of Jesus. Mighty God. Oh, would you bow your heads in prayer this morning? Would you just bow your heads in prayer this morning? As Delian Santo faced the congregation, these are our altar workers, over our altar workers, and they're going to be here today to pray for those that need salvation. If you're not saved today and you've not committed your life to Christ, you say, I want, I want what you've got, Pastor. I want eternal life. I can tell you can have it today. But not without Jesus. Amen. But you can surrender your life to the Lord Jesus today. 
And He will minister to your life. He will touch you today. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, to draw by your Spirit, Lord, each and every person, Lord, in this house. There's somebody here, Lord, today that's not a Christian, Lord, that hasn't dedicated their life to you, Lord, and hasn't surrendered. They're not a worshiper, Lord. Maybe they've had a Judas heart, Lord. But God, I'm asking you to draw them today by your Spirit and minister to them today, Lord. Let this be their day of salvation, Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Mighty God, amen. Pray with this man.
you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, follow our brother's lead this morning. Amen. Let God touch you today. Father, we just ask you to draw by your Spirit. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. There's some that are coming this morning. Amen. Church, let's let these that don't know Jesus or those that need to receive Christ this morning or rededicate their life to the Lord this morning. Amen. That's what this altar is for today. Amen. I invite you to come. 